Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. So what I want to do is I want to quickly review last week, okay? I'm going to take just a few minutes, a quick review but a thorough review, okay? A quick but a thorough review. In chapters 15 and 16 of the book of Luke, the Bible shows us that Jesus begins to launch into a set of parables, into a set of what? Parables. How many? Guys, remember? Five. In the morning, I said, how many? And I just gave him the answer. Not not this time. I had to (laughs) get you guys to think. Five parables in a row. What was the first one? The lost sheep. And then the next one was the lost coin. You got it, Elijah? The third one was the lost or prodigal son. The fourth one is the unjust steward. And the fifth one is the rich man and Lazarus. We got a Bible scholar right here. Five parables. How many? Five in a row. And our question was, why would Jesus launch into these consecutive parables? Well, the answer was, is that those who were around him compelled him to launch into these five consecutive parables. So let's quickly look at that again. Go to Luke chapter 15. There were three groups around Jesus. How many? Three groups. Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 16, 15. Luke chapter 15, and let's take a look again as we quickly but thoroughly review last week that will set us up for our message today, unpacking the fourth parable. So in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it tells us the first group that was around Jesus. Say amen if you get there. The Bible says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. There's our first group, the the tax collectors or sinners, those who were looked down upon, those who were the outcasts of the day of Jesus, that day after day and year and month, that month after month and year after year, they would hear that they were no good. (laughs) They would hear that if you were not of the lineage of Abraham by blood, or if you were not rich, or if you were not healthy, then God looked down upon you. And that salvation was out of your reach. This was the hearings they would hear. Because our second group would teach this to them. Who's the second group? Look at verse 2. And the who? And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, Oh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. These were the religious leaders of the day. These were those that were scholars in the law and they taught the law. But the reality is is that their teachings were completely misleading people on who God truly was. Amen. They would begin to teach or the people would begin to feel that salvation was a very exclusive club. In other words, that God was was a God of exclusion, that salvation was for those who were healthy and rich and of Abraham's lineage and the others were just not in line. But then Jesus shows up. He begins to say things like this. For God so loved only the Pharisees. Is that what the Bible says? 
for God so loved the world that he gave a son. He would say things like this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Amen. He began to say things like this, he who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. And the hearts of the people will begin to get a stir to say, wait a second, you mean God could actually love somebody like me? Yes. And people love to be around Jesus because he opened the gates of salvation to everybody. He opened the gates up to the, to, the, to the prostitutes and the murderers and the fornicators that salvation is a free gift if you come to the foot of Jesus with repentance and confession. Amen. So, as Christ was there and the multitudes were around him and the Pharisees, and now look at the third group, chapter 16, verse 1. Who else was there? We saw that the first group were the multitudes or outcasts. The second group were the Pharisees and scribes. And the third group is chapter 16, verse 1. And the first few words are, he also said to his, what's the word? Disciples. Three groups. How many groups? So look at the screen as we're reviewing. The first three parables, lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal, he, directed, he directs it to the multitude, though the others are listening. He directs it to the multitude, knowing that the Pharisees were listening in and the disciples, but these first three parables were directed completely or directly to the multitude or the outcasts. And the theme was that we're going to see or that we saw is that God is trying to lead everybody back home. Because man sinned, were kicked out of home, yes or no? Yes. But God, through Christ, is trying to lead everybody back home. The sheep back to the, multi uh, the, the multitude, the coin back to its owner, and the prodigal came back home to the father's house. Are you with me? Beautiful. The fourth parable, the unjust and dishonest steward that we're going to study today, he directs it to the disciples, and we'll see why in a minute. And then the fifth parable, the rich man and Lazarus, he directs it to the Pharisees and scribes to go against their mindset, though others were listening. The Bible says that the Pharisees and scribes were lovers of money. And then he gives us a parable about a rich man and a poor man. You guys with me so far? Say amen if you are. All right. So, we also had this caveat that I want to say, that though, though Jesus was the most loving and accepting and non-judgmental person on earth, do you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Though he was all accepting, he, he did not lower the standards, though, one bit. Amen. So, is that Jesus, as he accepted and embraced the woman caught in adultery. But afterwards, after he loved her and accepted her and embraced her, he said, go and sin no more. You see, what we see here is that we do not bring down God to our standards. God forbid we lift people up to his standards. One amen. You might not like that one. I'm going to say it again. God accepts us the way that we are but he loves us enough not to keep us the way that we are. So shouldn't God's people be the same, yes or no? 
It irks me that Seventh-day Adventists have sort of a, a bad rap of being judgmental. Why, 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 why is that even needing to happen? We should be just as loving, just as accepting, just as um, um, uh, embracing, such as, uh, and, and non-judgmental as was Jesus. But then what we begin to do as we accept people and love them and don't judge them and embrace them, we didn't lead them up to God and his righteousness. Amen. Just quickly, we saw in Review and Herald last week, Review and Herald, Mrs. White said, if you think that by letting the standard down you can convert sinners, you are most deluded. It doesn't work that way. We lift people up as Jesus did to his righteousness. You guys with me? All right. We then saw these two things, and then we'll move on to our presentation or sermon or message today. Here's the theme as we saw Christ is trying to lead all back home. We've all been uh, uh, left home and Christ is leading all back home. Who and all who want to come, it's open. There's room for you in his kingdom. Can you say amen? All right. And then we said this to end our review here. The gospel is not about what we give up, but what God has given up to find you. That's the gospel. The gospel is not about what we give up, it's about what God has given up to find us. Because you are his trophy. Do you know that you are unique? There will never be another Patty in the world. There might be somebody with that name, but with the intricacies of who she is, she's unique. No one has ever been Patty before Patty or will ever be. Can you say amen to that uniqueness? Even twins, though they might look alike, they're unique and distinct in their personalities. Yes or no? That's right. Therefore, friends, if God forbid that you and I choose not to accept eternity, you will be missed, and nobody will hurt more than God. There will be a vacuum. There will be a hole there. You're his trophy. The gospel is about what God has given up to find you. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. That's the review. We now turn to the fourth parable. Go to Luke 16. Here we go. He now directs this parable directly to his, do you remember? His disciples. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Okay? And then we're going to go back and dissect this parable. Okay? Guys ready? Here we go. I hope you're ready. And he said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Now let me stop here. We saw also that a parable is a story. It's an allegory. 
a story that will help us learn deeper spiritual truths. Does that make sense, right? How was the God of the universe with these heavenly concepts explain it to sinful human beings with, with, with you know, not perfect minds? He was the greatest teacher this world has ever seen. He would use stories and parables to help us grasp spiritual concepts. Amen. You with me? We're now in verse 2. So again, there was a certain rich man. He had a steward and, an accu- sorry, verse 1, verse 1 still. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Verse 2. So he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. So then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking my stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. Verse 4, I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. Verse 5, and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So the steward said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write how much? Cut it in half. Boom, 50. Verse 6. And he said, okay, sorry, verse uh, 7. And he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, you know what? Take your bill and do what? Write 80, right? Okay, we continue. Now verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward. Because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And, of course, verse 8 there is the problematic verse because we see here that Jesus is commending this unjust steward. But what is really happening here? This is a parable that can lead to confusion, but by God's grace, we will grasp the main points. There's going to be two. How many? Two points. And there is a rebuke in here. You guys ready for it? Let's go back to verse 1. Let's take a look at what's happening here. Back to verse 1. So, 1 again says, There was a certain rich man who was a stu- uh, rich man who had a steward. An accusation was brought to him that this man was wash- wasting his goods. Okay, so what's happening here? There was a rich man who had a lot of things, a lot of goods, and he hears that his, his accountant, that his steward is doing what? Yeah, he's wasting his goods. The guy is sort of um, uh, not being honest with what he's supposed to do, and an accusation has been brought up against him, right? Okay, now verse 2. And it says, so he called him and said, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. So what does the master want? Yeah, he wants to see the books. He wants, to get, he wants a ledger. He wants an account. Show me what you're doing because I hear that you're robbing me. And listen carefully, the steward knows, as they say, that his days are numbered. Are you with me, right? Now, he hasn't been fired yet, but he knows that when the ledger is broad or he brings the ledger, he's going to have some problems. Are you with me? Next verse. What verse are we on? And the Bible says, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. Let's stop there. 
Here's my next question. Do you think that this steward made good money? He did, right? I know this because he says, I am... Um, uh, I'm ashamed to beg, and I'm not going to dig. You know, there was a, there's a saying that says this, that when somebody is in the penthouse, they don't want to go to the doghouse, right? When somebody has lived luxuriously, right, usually they're going to do all they can to keep that status. Are you with me? There was a celebrity, and um, unfortunately, the celebrity and his spouse were, were getting a divorce. And uh, anywhere, she, she said in the news report, she says this, you can't, you can't uh, allow somebody to live in, in, in the penthouse and all of a sudden uh, get them to live in the outhouse. She wanted to have the same type of living. So guess what? In her divorce, she wanted some... Okay? So, this man made a good money, right? He says, and I'm ashamed to beg. He's a very proud man here. I'm not going to, I have a, a high status in the community. I'm not going to go and beg in the street there. And, you know, I'm not, I'm too, you know, I'm not going to go dig and beg. I'm not used to this here. The man is in a huge dilemma, but now we begin to get really into the crutch of it here. Look at what he does. We're in verse 4, and now it gets very interesting. I have resolved what to do. Let me stop there. He makes up a, start with a P, a plan. What does he do? Yeah, he comes up with a plan. This is important now. What does he do? He comes up with a plan, and let's see his plan. That when I put all out, when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Well, the question is, is who's they here? Verse 5 tells us. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? Now, this is funny because as the accountant, he should know how much they owe. <laughs> he obviously hasn't been doing his job. Are you understanding? He says, hey, how much do you owe? And they should have said, you should know. But now look what he does. He says this, verse 5. He called every one of his master's debtors. Okay, verse 6, and he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. And another he said, How much do you owe? And he didn't say, Oh, you should know this, sir. But he says, A hundred measures of, 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 of wheat, of oil. And he said, uh, I'm sorry, a hundred measures, uh, 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 measures of wheat, verse 7. And he said to him, Take your bill and write 80. Now let me ask you a question. If somebody called, who here had school debt up to here? Anybody? Was I the only one? Okay, I went to Southern. Now, I have a previous degree. So when I went to Southern, I only went there for two and a half years to get my theology degree. And I left Southern with just two and a half years with over $30,000 in debt. Now, I praise God today that that's all gone. But how would you feel? If somebody called you and said, Ralph, how much do you owe my master? 30,000. Man, you know, because I'm the master steward, and, you know, I like you, Ralph, I'm going to cut that in half. Only 15,000. Do you like that? Ralph is like, I like the pastor. He's a good guy. He then calls another, right? Elijah, how much do you owe the master? 100. You know what? 
I like you, uh, I like you, Elijah. Go ahead and cut that down to 80. What's happening here? Don't miss it. Look what's happening here. Now it's time to wake up. Did they have cell phones during those days? What about Zoom? Did they have cars? How then would this man have to contact every debtor? Would it take time? Okay, would it take time, yes or no? Would it take perseverance? Would it take intentionality? Would it take hard work? I'm going to say it again. This is crucial, crucial, crucial what's happening here. Because Christ in verse 8 is going to give us the commentary in a minute. Okay? Again, would it take time to do what he's doing, yes or no? What about intentionality? Would it take hard work? Would it take perseverance? Yes? Okay. So, would it take planning? Though this man has been dishonest, he is been quite wise, what is he doing? What he's doing is, because he knows he's about to lose everything he has, what he's doing is, he's doing all he can, listen carefully, to secure his temporal prosperity. Say it again. He's doing everything he can to ensure his temporal prosperity. Are you understanding? And now look at verse 8, and Jesus now gives us the rub. Are you in verse 8? So Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. The word there means wise. Don't miss it. Christ is not commending the man for being dishonest. Can you say amen? He's not doing that. He's commending him for being wise. For being what? Wise. Because what was he doing? He was planning. He was working hard. He was being intentional. He was persevering. He was doing all these things to secure his temporal prosperity. Like what Christ says here, we keep reading. He was wise. For the sons of this world are more shrewd or wise than their, in their generation than the sons of who? Of light. What is Jesus saying? Don't you miss it. Look. You know what? There are people who drive hours to work they wake up at the crack of dawn and they go to sleep at the latest hours of the day. They plan, they work hard, they do all this and they can to secure their, uh, their temporal prosperity, but they do nothing to secure their eternal security. That's the rebuke. You and I have no business waking up early to go to work but yet we can't get up early to spend time with Jesus. You and I will drive one hour to work, but we can't drive 15 minutes to give a Bible study. You and I, all in our power to make sure that we're doing well temporally in our prosperity there, but yet when it comes to our eternal security, 
we try to coast on in and do the least possible. I've been guilty of this, anybody else? Look what Jesus is saying. That we'll do all we can for the things of this world, but yet when it comes to eternal security, we don't give the same effort, the same time, the same diligence, the same planning or perseverance. Do you see that? You can hear a pin drop in here and that's good. I'm gonna say it again. Because guess what? I'm guilty of the same. But yet when it comes to our eternal security and enhancing God's kingdom, we won't lift half the finger as we do with either school or work or anything else. But may God wake us up today. Not one amen. Mm. But may God wake us up today. May he wake us up today and say, you know what? You should work hard at work. Amen. We are to strive for excellence. You are to do all you can at work and work hard. And do yes, that is important, and don't take that away. But when it comes to your spiritual life and your, 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 your eternal security, it's more important. Why? Because you and I will not take our car or our house to heaven. So we do, we, we do all this hard work to make sure we, we have all these things. Again, nothing wrong with that at all. But here's the thing. When it comes to eternal security, we are not being as persevering or, 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 um, or, or, or planning or, or working. as a, We just try to do our least here. And that is dangerous. And because God he says, hey, hey, don't let that happen. Because eternity is more important than temporal things. And this man was wise. And he says, yes, take that same wiseness for the temporal things and do it also for me and my kingdom. That people do more and work more intensely and earnestly and sincerely to ensure their future financial temporal security than the sons of light are working to ensure their future eternal security. In Christ Object Lessons, talking about this parable, we're told this, that is, worldly wise men display more wisdom and what's the word here? Earnestness in serving themselves than do the professed children of God in their service to Him. You know what's sad? I used to work in Zephyr Hills, Florida. You know where that is? Just down the road, about six hours. I worked at the, what used to be called the Florida Hospital. Now it's called Advent Health. And I was an exercise specialist there, and I lived in Tampa. Therefore, I had to drive about 45 minutes to get there by 4, 4, 4.30 in the morning. And guess what? I did it. But then, 
I wouldn't do that to make sure I spent time with Jesus. That's my rebuke. Lord, forgive me. I was working harder and be more diligent in my temporal needs than I was in my spiritual eternity. You might not or might know this, that now it's too late in the game to mess around with eternity. (laughs) Did you know that in a matter of a snap of a finger, this world has come to standstill? Did you guys know this? Just like that. What about the unrest and chaos of the world? Is that snap of a finger, right? A few months ago, the world was different than it was right now. Yes or no? Completely. And here's the thing. What it used to be will never return, friends. And today, God's people are just, just. And God says, psh, 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 psh. If you're going to do this for your temporal needs, you need to do it for your eternal needs because that's more important. That was the first application. Now we're going to end with just a quick second. So we cannot but reflect here how different the world would be if all Christians were as anxious and diligent and prudent in religious matters as others are, as others are in worldly things. Yet Christians today are lazy and uninterested in their spiritual walk and in expanding the kingdom of God with souls. Second application quickly. Who was this directed to? Disciples. Now let me ask you a question. Had God not richly given the Jewish nation goods for them to share and be a blessing to others? He had. But what had they done? They were unfaithful stewards. And Jesus turns to his disciples and say, do not let my church follow into the same trap here. You are not to be unfaithful stewards, but let my Christian church be faithful stewards. He turns to his disciples and say, don't let what this nation, these Pharisees, these leaders did, don't let this happen to my church. Are you with me so far? Two applications. But he, they were listening in, the, uh, others. So my friends, I want to encourage you that it's not too late. I want to encourage you that God is pleading with his people to wake up out of their stupor and say, Lord, now is the time. And Lord, if I'm going to give all my energy to school and to work, dear God, please help me at least give the same amount of energy to you. Amen. Because my eternal security is more important than anything else. You see, somebody once said that people have no problem spending one hour on Facebook 
but they can't spend five minutes in the book. I have Facebook. But may God help us put our priorities and lives in order. Amen? Now, there's great things you can also do on Facebook. There's great ministries out there. Don't get me wrong. The message makes sense today. I'm so thankful that Jesus loves us enough to rebuke us here. Wake us up to say, hey, reevaluate your life. Are you giving all your efforts here but neglecting the most important one here? And now here's the good news. If you have, you have an advocate between you and the Father named Jesus. That you can go to and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive my sins. I, I have. I've, I've given all my energy to school. I've given all my energy to work. But I've neglected to give that same energy and diligence and planning and, and all these things to you. Forgive me. And here's the guarantee. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us or give, forgive you and me of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a God we serve. He's bestowed on us the Holy Spirit to give us the power and strength to make things right. So here's my appeal. Here's my appeal. That before the day ends, now I'm speaking to myself because you know what? As a preacher, the sermon first comes to me. <laughs> so I've been stepped, my toes have been stepped on more than yours already. Before the day goes by, before the day ends, I want myself and you, just you and God, not with your spouse, just you and God, that you're going, that I'm going before the day goes, this is my appeal here, if you choose to do, that you will get and go to God before the day ends and say, Lord, how is my life? And I want us to be honest with ourselves and humble and say, Lord, as I look at my life and my priorities, am I giving more efforts to everything else than to you? Am I giving more efforts to schoolwork and more efforts to, to my effort to you is lacking? That's my appeal, that we will do this before the day ends. And if God begins to reveal to us that yes, that yes, you're doing all this here, but nothing here, may God help us change that. Amen. Does my appeal make sense? I'm going to say it one more time, then I'm going to give the appeal. My appeal is that before the day goes down, that you and you alone will go to God and ask him to search your heart. If you have to write things down, I do this, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and you begin to see, right, that you're putting more effort, more time, more energy, more planning into temporal things than to eternal things, then may God Help us change this. If you choose to 
do this before the day ends today. Just you and God, nobody else. Just you and him. I'm going to invite you to stand. Okay? Yeah, well, don't see other. Just because others are standing does not mean you have to. It's appeal. You can stay seated if that's not your desire. But if you stand, you're committing yourself. Yes, hallelujah. You're standing. You're committing yourself to God, not to your neighbor, not to your friend, just between you and God here. If you're standing because just others are, it's, all right to, it's okay to sit if that's not your desire to do. But hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Pray for each other. We're all in the same boat. No one here is a Pharisee. Amen? We're all in the same boat. Pray for each other. Help each other. May God be with us. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.